Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're very grateful for your the material that you've left through your apostles and prophets, that your church, those that had seek you, can find those minds that were filled with your spirit to hold your leading of us to some account, to some objective um, measure. We're very grateful, Lord. Thank you for this morning, in your son's name. Amen. Last week I went through Colossians 1 through uh, about 15. Uh, and usually that's where verse 15 is where the great panegyric uh, about Christ starts. And I wanted to end the teaching of Paul on what the Christian life should be prayerfully seeking, what kind of victory it should seek, and then we ended with verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. That's, that's our, our, our guidance. Our, 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 this is what who it's about. Well, of course you can't. I think Stephanie asked me if I was going to keep going in this passage of Colossians this week, and, and they went to Texas. Um, but I was thinking about it because of she said that, and I said, you know, you can't really walk right up to the edge of this great passage and not treat it. Now, it's one of those favorite passages that I have spoken on many times in this church because it's, it's such a wonderful section. But every time you look at a passage, you look at things a little differently, and, or you pull some other aspect of it out for our consideration. At the end of the passage we covered last week, I, I gave you from verse 13 on uh, through late in the chapter of I think 23, so 10 verses. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now, we all have to be aware of how we define words and what kind of image clicks into being when someone says the kingdom of God, the kingdom of his beloved son. Um, I studied history. And so when you said the kingdom of Bavaria or the kingdom of Monaco, or it's not, it's not a kingdom, is it? It's a, is it a kingdom of Monaco or is it a... Princedom. It was a princedom. Wasn't the ruling aristocrat a prince? Kingdom. Is that we naturally think of 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 a, of a territory like the United States of America, Canada, Mexico, the Kingdom of Bavaria, and at a certain point there is a border and maybe guard posts on the roads, and your soldiers on one side of it, and their soldiers on the other, and that makes it a kingdom. The arena over which, the stage over which, that king has political power. And it's hard to do with the kingdom of God, the kingdom of his beloved son, but still, I think we manage to think primarily in terms of a place, a, a, 
an arena of fiefdom which Christ rules. An arena where God rules. And we don't think past that because that's, that suffices to us for thinking of a kingdom. And yes, of course, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We want to see his, his, uh, his kingdom law applied. But in his transfer of us to the kingdom of his beloved son, when you step into this next panegyric, when you, when you realize what he says about Jesus Christ, it, it grabs us about our definition of kingdoms and moves us. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Now you will notice that the, the playtime that Evan has with Adobe PageMaker, and I can center and break lines and bold them and make them red and do all things that the apostle did not do, I have to admit that. But look down the page, verse 16, all things. <coughs> verse Later in 16, all things. 17, all things, all things. Down in verse 20, all things. It seems that Paul wants you to think all things. And in all thingness, I mean, that's, the, that's an error of uh, translation. You know what, you, you know what uh, things are? This is a thing. Right? This is a thing. You're a thing. A moment is a are you going to go to that thing later on? Yeah, we don't even know what a thing is. But the word isn't, isn't actually thing in the scripture, in the, in the Greek. It's not even the word thing isn't, isn't even in there. Some word that means thing. It's the word that means all. And they have to modify it somehow so that you know what the all, all the world Sometimes the phrase, the whole world, uh, will use this word for whole. That's it. You know, and sometimes they'll put the word thing there, sometimes not. But in our language, thing is, this is all about our comprehension of what the Apostle is saying. Uh, we think about kingdoms a certain way, and we need to be dragged emotionally in our definition over someplace else. And when we say all things, I automatically think of the warehouse for Amazon and say, well, there's all things all in one place. All the things. Well, imagine my surprise. This was, I don't know how many years ago. When I realized that Norwegian or Scandinavian, the Vikings, you know how the English have parliament? Because it's Parleying, parlement, the French effect. Scandinavians, you know what their thing is called? Thing. It's the same word. It's not a different word. It's not like, oh, this is an accident where the color orange and William of Orange happen to sound the same and not the same word. Thing. This purpose, this willful, this rule. The all. Look at what he's doing in this passage. 
even though our word saying isn't there, and nor is the Norwegian word saying there, I merely said that so that you would recognize some adjustment in your own mind. When he says all things were created in heaven and on earth, we have to break this down and say, what, what's going on here? It's about him. He is the image. He is the firstborn. All things were created for him in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. But then he starts to tell you that it's not the pulpit, the mic, the stuff on the ground and everything in the Amazon warehouse. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or authorities, he gives you the subsets of what he's talking about when he's saying the all. You could drop the word all here from this translation. All were created. Then you go, oh, oh, I don't have something to fill in the blank when it says all were created. My natural mind would say, all what? And then it would tell me, thrones, dominions, principalities, and authorities. But when it says all things, I think it's some claim to fight off the French Enlightenment materialism that drove us into Darwinian evolutionary thought and, and the creation, creative act of God of calling bunnies and microphones out of nothing is really important for us to believe. No, I, I believe that's fine. But that's not what this passage is about. This passage is all were created. Whether those all were in heaven or they were on earth, whether those all were visible or invisible, or whether they belonged to these categories, thrones, dominions, principalities, or authorities, all were created through him and for him. So we realize this is not talking about a province. It's talking about a set of wills. This creative act, this primacy of Jesus Christ, the image, the firstborn, is over agencies. When I say agency, that means something that can decide to do something. A pew cannot decide to do it. At least in this church, our pews are dead like this church. Rocks, I think, are dead for the most part. Or they breathe really slowly. Um, <coughs> things that have will. All were created. They were through him and for him. So he is, he made these agencies and they were made for him when he made them. There is a relationship of ought. His kingdom is his universe. So his ought relationship with the beloved son. Now, I think it is devout 
for Christians to think that the power of God, the power of Jesus Christ, sung of in this almost hymn-like arrangement, is the power of Christ to call into being the flaming balls of gas all over the universe, and he can swing nebula into, into being, and he's just that powerful. Okay, he is, but that's, again, not what this is about. Because when it involved agency, when he says, all things were, all, all were made by me, for me, that means all wills have got to have an opinion of him. It's almost like, since this exists, the rule of Christ, the power of Christ, the, he's not waiting for the church to succeed. And oh, let's find out if Christianity works, and at the end, you know, who knows which religion will win. But no, Jesus Christ won. This is his universe. Nothing is going to be any different than this. This is describing actuality. This is not describing hope, wishful thinking. Um, so the, the, living in the world with thrones, dominions, principalities, or authorities, um, and I guess you guys, unless some of you are thrones, principalities, um, it's important what we think of that mix. Um, probably illustrated things before, at least I know I did when I taught history and Bible and ancient civilizations, that the Persians had a pretty efficient empire. Um, probably much more efficient than the Greeks never managed to be, even though the Greeks beat them. And they divided their kingdom into satrapies um, and ruled over by, you guessed it, a satrap. And these satrapies were really big. And these satrapies were so big that the satrap eventually thought he was king. And he then started having a dim view of the actual king. Well, who's he? He's off someplace that not in charge of me. And that's what has happened in this universe. And what we're being reminded of here in Colossians 1 verse 17 He is before all things. You've heard the word precedence. Right? Somebody has precedence. He is, that means they're before. They stand before. It's like being at the front of the line. We had, uh, when we, after we had run the 12 miles from the hotel to the Vatican, might not have been 12, might have been just 11. I was carrying three of the children. But we were, luckily, we had tickets to get in, and that gave us precedence, right? We got to precede. The adventures, we didn't just get to proceed. We didn't go on our way. We had got to go to the front of the line. And all those people that were standing in line, sweating worse than me, had to wait while I went to the front. Carrying three children. Probably my wife, too. I think I'm probably carrying her. Precedence, right? He is before all. Now, remember, drop the word thing. 
That's just a confusion to you. Is it a Norwegian parliament? No, just say all. He is before all. And this all includes primarily on the subject of this passage, powers. Powers that are agencies. That are considering whether or not they're going to rebel against the living God. Or not. And all things hold together. In him, all things hold together. So, what am I... When I talk about the kingdom of his beloved son, I need to know what kind of place is it? Is it a 1984 sort of place, or is it a libertarian sort of place, or is it a, um, a kingdom, you know, like a charming, you know, Lord of the Rings sort of thing? What, what kind of thing are we dealing with here? He, is, he has precedence before all things. And he has, the other word would be coherence. We, we find that we use these words that mean something, you know, holding together, to cohere. Um, and then we realize, ah, that's when we say somebody is coherent. That means their words hold together. You know, they, 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 their argument holds together. So think about your kingdom that you have been transferred to. Remember back verse 13. We delivered us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. This is how it is ruled. With Christ, who made it all for himself, that all agents would give him precedence and see in him the coherence. Have you ever been in been in an argument, I've been in a few, where you realize either on your own or someone points it out that that's not what you said last week. Or this doesn't hold with what you're saying over here. This is a completely... How much, how desperately you, you would love to have a coherent view of the world in which you function, so that your expression of a coherent idea would give you greater confidence about what you are living in. So when I give Christ the precedence and I give him the coherence, that's where I go to get those things. That's how I build my state of citizenship in the kingdom of his beloved son. The Enlightenment made us um, sciency, which is fine, but I think we tend to try to answer the science rebellion with Christian science, which is also fine to do. Um, but the Lord wasn't dealing with the Enlightenment. He was dealing, he says, your battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and world rulers of this present darkness. He said, this is where our battle actually is, is what do the thrones, dominions, principalities, and authorities, what are they, their agencies doing about this? 
This is the big ticket. What are the wills about? The question is not whether a scientist believes the earth is long, a lot older than he thought, but has he submitted to Jesus Christ? Does he see the precedence of Jesus Christ? I know some Christians who have an old earth and they've submitted to Jesus Christ in their, in their heart. A little sideshow. But we want to know what Jesus Christ is about, what he cares about gaining. He cares about gaining your, the, the agency of all these powers in submission to him. And we're supposed to have this kind of glorified, the panegyric is the glorification of his majesty regarding other wills. Not his majesty regarding how big his kingdom is. To say Jesus Christ rules the whole universe, well, it's true, he does. But that's really not the credit he's trying to get. Saying, I am ruling all the wills. You know what you say, well, but hold it, it doesn't look like he's ruling all the wills. Well, you know, there are two ways of ruling. One is rewarding, and the other is punishing. If you're dragging little Johnny off to the spanking chamber, whatever that is in your house, when growing up, my parents took me to the basement, or sent me to the basement, wait for your father in the basement. The fact that I had disobeyed my father, and the fact that he had to punish me, actually only meant I was in his kingdom. It wasn't, didn't mean that he didn't have me in his kingdom. I was proof I was in his kingdom. When I don't spank the kid at Walmart that needs my spanking, it proves he's not in my kingdom. God, for all the wickedness in the world, because he's going to judge all the wickedness of the world, his kingdom, his precedence, the coherence of his control, the image of the, what he is the image of, the invisible God, the firstborn, the, the status of the inheritor of all things from God, and everything coming back to him. I have to have that, I have to have that view of him. I think when we don't have in our, in our own thinking a, a category for the divine, or even our sociological category, I was talking to Austin Storm yesterday about, you know, some project he fancifully wished he could do in Moscow. And, uh, and one of his comments was, uh, Moscow's just not ready for that kind of height. You know? We don't even have a country club. We don't have rich people. We have well-off people. We don't have, a, we don't have an aristocratic rich class that can easily and comfortably live like the rich class. We're not used to that. We're not used to these things. We have to, coming back to Colossians 1, find where our Christ stands. We are not making a religion that we can enjoy believing. This is the religion announced to us. Long before Evan, which, uh, you know, I, I really enjoy being Evan, but I was born in 1954, 1924 years after the death of Jesus Christ. He didn't come up with religion in such a way that Evan was going to find it the best religion he could imagine. 
We're not designing our religion. He is announcing his religion. So when I have to accept the precedence, he precedes everything. He precedes, you notice how I keep putting the word thing in there? Everything. All things. But again, let's try to work this out of here. He precedes all. All things cohere in him. Verse 18, he is the head of the body, the church, the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That's in everything. He's just throwing some things in. He's got some things in the hopper where Jesus Christ has precedence. says, because he needs to be preeminent in everything. That in everything, he may be preeminent. Now, You could say that he, his precedence and his coherence could apply to the thingness, the material thingness of creation. But this one, preeminence, is a standing of eminence. That his eminence, you can't have an eminent stone or an eminent pew or an eminent mic. You can only have eminent agents. Agency has to be. It has to be a position of acknowledged, you might say, pride. How eminent am I? I am a right reverend of a small church in North Idaho. Or I am the archdeacon of so-and-so. Or I am the archangel Michael. These are eminences. And when Paul mentions the thrones, dominions, principalities, and authorities... Those are eminences. Now, you say, why don't you talk at all about those thrones? Because I'd heard about principalities before. But what are thrones? And what are dominions? Well, it didn't take Christianity long to answer that, just by making stuff up. Uh, the place you will find the most information on celestial hierarchies, written in the 6th century, by Pseudo-Dionysius the Areopagite. Because um, he's called Pseudo-Dionysius the Areopagite because he's pretending to be Dionysius the Areopagite, who he wasn't. Dionysius the Areopagite was the guy in Acts who becomes a Christian through Paul's preaching. He went at the Areopagus, and so he's called the Areopagite. Well, this guy was pretending in the 600s to be, 500, late 500s, to be that guy. And really what he was, was just <laughs> making stuff up. Well, he has a good section on these. Because uh, he's, he's given you the textbook grammar of the celestial hierarchies. But he's got no more information than you. So, worth a read, maybe? Well, we're not here to get all excited because we don't want to become, you know, basing our faith on visions, worship of angels puffed up without reason by our sensuous minds. We're not seeking that. We're seeking to put Christ on the throne of all so that he would be the head. Because if I veer off in the discussion to the principalities, Jesus Christ ceases to pre be preeminent to me. But in everything he might be preeminent is the desire of God. Because, verse 19, for in him... All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. 
You ever think, you know, the, the Spirit of God dwells in you because you become a Christian? You sometimes wonder if the Spirit of God does. We talk about grieving the Holy Spirit, and uh, we don't necessarily think that uh, God's getting the best end of the deal by dwelling with you, but with Jesus Christ, it, he was pleased to dwell. The fullness of deity. This is a real tough question. This is the, the anti-proto-Gnostic verse because the Gnostics were big on the fullness. The pleroma, it's called. And the word pleroma is the word fullness right there. And when he says all the fullness, all the pleroma of God was pleased to dwell. The, the Gnostics are having their wet in their pants at this point. This cannot be. Because the fullness could not be material. And Jesus Christ was material. He was incarnate. And he's saying, the God was happy to put this fullness in the material. And through that effort, and you have to realize that, that Gnosticism was, was a, a religious uh, apostasy or heresy that was all about heights and dignities and levels. And uh, so he's, he's grabbing Christ and saying, right at the top, buddy, he is preeminent, he is God, he is the image, it's the fullness. All, th all things stand under him. And in that, through him, verse 20, to reconcile to himself all things. Remember it dropped. To reconcile to himself all, whether on earth or in heaven. Isn't that a weird verse that is? Reconciling things in heaven to himself? Well, yeah, because he's dealing with agencies, and he listed the agencies at the beginning of the chapter, or the middle of the chapter, earlier in our, in our passage whether it's thrones, dominions, principalities, or authorities. All of those agencies in heaven, because he even defined it there, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, the thrones. And here at the end he says, I am reconciling to himself, because this is the preeminence of Christ. Everything is Christ's word. He made all things for himself. This is the view of the kingdom. What do the agents do do they become rebellious satrapies? Or do they bow the knee? Because reconciling to himself, forgiving and restoring, this is happening all over the cosmos. Making peace by the blood of his cross. Now, this fullness, pleased to dwell in Christ, reconciling everything to him, making peace. Now, verse 21 sort of stuck out at me because I had been centering the passage and bolding my all things. You know, so I, I bolded all things were created. He says that again. All things were created. Then all things, all things, all things. And then in verse 21 it says, and you. Because 
Man, you're seeing the vastness of space and the vastness of agency. The all is all agency all. It's all all that are reconcilable, all that are forgivable, all that are rulable, because it is, that's the nature of rule. You don't rule physical things. You own them. You rule wills. And you, once you realize that Jesus has stepped into the cosmos preeminently, with precedence, with all the coherence, with all the purpose, that every power so far above you, you would not be able to stand up straight in their company. They are all being called upon to submit themselves I mean, it even says it later in this book. Colossians. End of chapter, middle of chapter 2. It says, He disarmed the principalities and powers and made public example of them, triumphing over them in Him. This is not just power of standing, power of assumed, schematic. It was power of act. And all these agencies, all these people of the heavens and people of the earth have got to make a choice about this. It's the rule of Christ. When it says, verse 21, and you, so now, you know you match the principality far more than you match the pulpit or the pew. You match an agent. You, you have a relationship to the kingdom of his beloved son that is organized around whether or not you bow the knee. Do you believe he has precedence? Do you believe that in him is coherence? Do you believe he is preeminent? Do you believe that he knocked down and took, made the claim stick, punished the ungodly, you who once were estranged and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and irreproachable before him. That's the task. Because his kingdom wants holy, blameless, and irreproachable citizens out of the princes and out of the people. He has this act of reconciliation, an act of punishment, an act of rule against every agency that is there, every agency that you could imagine. So when the Bible says he is the Lord of Lords, you remember that because he's the Lord of Lords. He is the God of Gods. He is above every other agent. That's what we're believing. And when I, when I sing that praise of him being above everything else, when it says, and you, what are you going to do? You know, scurry around, clasping my pudgy hands together, running my life like I think is best. I mean, it's so sad. If it weren't so 
you know, you've seen stupid children. It's so sad when you see them running around being stupid. Yeah, if you wish you could spank them. You wish you could do something. And that's how we live. We run around as if, you know, at least the principalities could do things. At least they were gods. They could, they could thunder. They could throw fits. They could raise nations and destroy nations. And you can barely get out of bed. You can get upset at your neighbor. You can get pissy towards your family members because you want to run your own life. And you, estranged and hostile, doing evil deeds. I mean, that's, that's how we were living. We are saying, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm inside the fiefdom. I can't get out of the fiefdom. It's not like, where is the kingdom of God in Christ? It's this. It's everything. This is the stage of God's power. There is no place you can go. That is not. It's really, a, it's really a question of submission of wills. We were doing evil deeds. It didn't work very well. We know. We know that people take a different time to figure out, you know, it's not working. You all came to that point at some point. It's not working. What I'm, what I'm doing, what I'm thinking, is not working. And Jesus Christ as Lord is a, it's a you know, you know, use the term too cliche, a godsend. He reconciled us in his body of flesh by his death. Provided, verse 23, that you continue in the faith. stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which has been preached to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. So think about where, where this whole thing came around and landed on, and you are articles of this kingdom relationship as well. You are agents. You have to know who the God is what he is like, what he has dominated, what he has brought to pass, he has triumphed over far greater beings than you. And you too, like they, are facing the dominance of the Lord. You're facing the reconciliation of the Lord. Um, the goodness that he is being willing to bring and the peace he is willing to bring. When, when this is probably just being said on helps, these are people that are under persecution, these are people that aren't running the world, they, Christianity did never in, in their time have anything other than small sect of a small sect. Nothing was really happening worldwide for Christianity, a few Christians here, a few Christians there. And this Paul is is laying it out this way. This is the way we ought to believe. This is the gospel that we ought to preach. This is, this is what he claims to be preaching himself. He's been preached to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. I am about this gospel. But don't lose this part of the gospel. We're not asking them to consider our Jesus. He is the maker of heaven and earth, and he made it for himself. He will either punish it or he'll reward it. 
How do you want this to work out? You're an agent. You have will. That is the nature of your thingness. You're a willing thing. It sounded like it might have turned into a, a kind of a charming quote, a willing thing. Is there a song? Uh, no. So no, it's not turning into a charming quote. If anybody can work it out, that the thingness we are is agency, will. That's the nature of Christ's rule, and He is above all. Let's thank God, dear Lord. We're grateful. You are kind to us. In your rule, benevolence to your kingdom, and patient with those who are evildoers. We ask that we would be a reward to your grace, that you would be pleased with our being and our kneeling. In your Son's name we pray. Amen.